You are listening to the Brady Farkas Show podcast. Thanks to Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber. You can always listen to the show live weekdays from 5.30 to 7 p.m. on WDEV AM and FM and streaming at WDEVradio.com. You can text in your thoughts 24-7 at 802-585-3026. That's 802-585-3026. The following is a presentation from WDEV Radio. Fast pace. They can go no huddle. They can go two tight ends. They can go play action. They can take shots down the field. They can run the ball with Cam. I love the options here. Opinionated. Mac Jones was a safe pick, but his ceiling is just Kirk Cousins. To the point. The Red Sox are better than I expected. I still don't think they're winning the division. The Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. Brady Farkas Show right here on a Wednesday on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. We go up until 6-10 today because of Red Sox baseball, a crucial game two of that three-game set in Tampa against the Rays with the Sox winning in extras last night, 9-5. They're now a game and a half up on their division rivals. We're changing it up today and trying something new. Usually, once 6 p.m. hits... I step aside, we play the news, we give you a tune or two until the Sox, but today I'm coming back after the CBS News at 6, and we'll do a couple more minutes of the show and give you the Red Sox lineup. So some uh, the Brady Farkas show unplugged, the expanded version today, up until 6-10. Last night, by the way, was such a weird game. Shoddy defense from the Sox, awful base running by Tampa. I mean, I don't know what Brett Phillips was doing in extras for the Rays. Just... An awful outing by Ryan Yarborough, and Dennis Eckersley on Nesson was just shredding him like I've never heard a broadcaster shred a player before. The debut of Wander Franco, who had a homer and a double there, so he looked pretty good. Uh, just a weird game, but a huge win nonetheless for the Sox. I really liked what the Boston Globe said today. There's still a ton of questions about the Sox. There are. It's why I've doubted this team all year. There's a lot of questions. And me, a lot of people... Not necessarily believers yet, but the Red Sox certainly are resilient. You can say that. This team is not going to fold. If you want to get in, you can. 802-585-3026. So uh, let's get right to it. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. Freddie Coleman of ESPN Radio is going to stop by as well with us. Uh, again, he'll do that in about 15 minutes. So if you want to get in, Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury, text line 802-585-3026. And the opening thoughts on the show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center. By the way, right before the show started, I mean like right before the show started, uh, right before the news started an hour and a half ago, we got word the Celtics closing in on and then hiring Ime Udoka as their next head coach. So he's formally now an assistant of the Nets, the Sixers, and the Spurs. We'll get more into that at 6 o'clock. But again, Ime Udoka, the next Celtics head coach. But I want to start here first. I still, two and a half days into this, I do not have a problem with the MLB crackdown on sticky stuff and foreign substances for pitchers. In fact, I think the pitchers who are reacting who are reacting to it, I think they are overreacting. 
Yesterday was the first full day we saw this implemented where the schedule was you know, in full force, and things went haywire. Some pitchers got all mad about it, made a mockery about it. Max Scherzer wasn't thrilled with Joe Girardi asking for an additional check of him. And Sergio Romo of the A's nearly removed his pants to show he wasn't moving it, uh, wasn't using anything. Let me start with Romo first. He made a complete mockery of the process, and to me, that was a complete embarrassment. Okay, I get it. Being checked every couple of innings for foreign substances is an inconvenience. You think it's annoying. You hate the rule. You hate the timing of the rule. I get it, but it's not about you. It's about the health of the sport. And for a long time now, the sport hasn't been healthy. So suck it up and deal with it. If pitchers hadn't been cheating and taking advantage of the rules for the last couple of years, we wouldn't be in this position. So if If pitchers are mad about what's going on, they have no one to blame but themselves that it got to this point. The sport has not been healthy for the last couple of years. It's been hard to watch. Pitchers have gotten too dominant. Batting averages have reached anemic levels. This is a way to level the playing field, and I don't have a problem with it, and I don't care if pitchers are bothered by this right now. Okay, sure. Baseball could have found a better time or a better way to do this, but the average fan who you're losing doesn't care about that. Okay, The average fan is who you're losing. The average fan wants to see action and wants to see the game be fun, and the game being 0-0, one of the seventh inning every night, isn't fun. So Sergio Romo, if all your ilk hadn't abused the rules and cheated to get ahead for years, we wouldn't be doing this. I liked what Alex Cora said last night. Red Sox manager AC was on the pregame show right here on WDEV, and he said, look, Jacob deGrom on Monday was the first pitcher checked, and he dealt with this. If Jacob deGrom can deal with it, and he's the best pitcher on the planet, then we all can deal with it. Simple as that. And that was also emphasized on social media last night. Former Major League pitcher Phil Hughes, pitched for the Yankees and Twins, said... Pitchers need to stop with the dramatics. The umpires are just doing what they're told. Pitchers need to stop with their dramatics. Look, I give Scherzer a little more leeway. I get he'd been checked twice yesterday, and he didn't enjoy being checked a third time because you know Joe Girardi, you know, wanted to uh, you know wanted to give him the business a little bit. I get why he's annoyed. I don't get why Sergio Romo or any other pitchers annoyed. I had a game on in the studio earlier today. These checks were very harmless. They were very benign. They were very easy, and they didn't cause controversy. And we just moved on and played the rest of the game. That's how easy this is. Sergio Romo making it a bigger deal is doing just that, making it a bigger deal. Text line open, 802-585-3026. Nelson in Waitsfield says, Brady, what do you think of the idea that was going around social media last night. If you ask for a pitcher to be checked, like Girardi did, and you are wrong, you lose your challenge. What do you think of that? Man, that's tough. Um, My gut tells me I'm okay with that. If you ask for a pitcher to be checked and you are wrong, I believe you should be penalized. If you're going to disrupt the flow of the game like that, cause the tensions to rise, you should be penalized in some way. But 
the umpires must continue to police this issue. Because I don't want pitchers to be like, hey, well, they already asked me once and were wrong, so now I'm in the clear. They can't do it again. I don't want that. The umpires need to stay on top of this. Um, but, yeah, I think I am okay with some kind of punishment for being wrong. I don't want to get to a point where a pitcher is dealing so a team just gets you know calls for a check to get under his skin and, and off his rhythm. There should be a punishment. I like your idea, Nelson and Waitsfield. Uh, Marcus in Waterbury Center. Brady, I don't like these checks. They just add more time to the game, and the game is already too slow. Um, I disagree with that. I saw this take on Twitter yesterday also. The pace of play police were out in full force last night on social media. I even saw it from our guy Brian Collar and the news anchor at NBC5 who was playing this pace of play card. I am tired of hearing about pace of play in Major League Baseball. It's never been about pace of play. It's been about lack of action. That has always been the number one issue in baseball. These checks are done between innings. They don't add time to the game. As long as no one goes crazy about them, they are benign and they are quick and then they are over. If you want to talk about pace of play, if you want to bring pace of play into the conversation, I give you Exhibit A, last night's NBA playoff game. Clippers, Suns, great game, epic finish. This is no joke. The last two minutes of Clippers, Suns yesterday, two minutes of gameplay, took 33 minutes of real time. Between fouling, between timeouts, between replay reviews, the last two minutes of an NBA playoff game took 33 minutes to complete. Heck, the last 10 seconds of yesterday's Suns and Clippers game took 18 minutes to complete. If you want to talk to me about pace of play, do not talk to me about pace of play because I will have that answer for you. Other sports have issues as well that make the games go too long or make the games go too slow. These, if they're done right, are not an issue in baseball. They're just not. Okay, I've seen several of these checks and haven't had one issue with them. Romo made it an issue yesterday. Girardi made it an issue yesterday too. That was a him problem. But as far as the process goes, it's not that big a deal. we got time for one more text. Dave and Bennington. Uh, Brady Scherzer also said, and he continued to say, he could not get a grip on the ball yesterday and he was worried. Do you buy that? I've said from the start, I don't buy this. I, I, I don't buy the pitcher's grip conundrum here. You played your whole life for a long time without foreign substances on the ball. But it does lead me to this question, which I'm now wondering about. Pitchers say they need a gripping agent because new baseballs are too slick. Okay, If new baseballs are so slick and pitchers don't want to throw with them, then why do pitchers throw a ball out of play every time it touches the ground? All pitchers do is throw baseballs out of play and try to get new baseballs. If new baseballs are the problem, why do you want new baseballs? Let the ball get hit around a little bit. Let it get worked in. Let it get a grass mark. Let it touch the dirt. It will get worked in for you, I promise. And when it gets soft or way too bad, then you get rid of it. But if pitchers can't throw with new baseballs, stop asking. 
for new baseballs. It's the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. The show is brought to you in part by Pro Driver Training, Vermont's premier truck driver training school. It's online at ProDriverCDL.com. They get you ready for the next steps in your career by teaching you in you know Class A advanced, Class B advanced, passenger and advanced skills training. They get you ready for the next step in your career. And it could be the best step in your career. It's ProDriverCDL.com, and that is, again, where you can take your career to the next level. All right, I, th- this this Sergio Romo thing, the video last night was just absurd. It really did get to me seeing Sergio Romo make a mockery of this. I, again, I've watched a lot of baseball in the last couple of days, and I've never been bothered by what we saw. I've not, I have not been bothered yet by what we saw Unless it was Romo or unless it was uh, unless it was Girardi, and I think that those two went out of their way to make a mockery of the process. I just want the game cleaned up. That's all I want. I want baseball to look like baseball. I want it to be action packed because it is action packed when played right, and people just don't get to see that enough. So I don't have an issue with what we've seen, but do the experts have an issue with what we've seen? We go out to the phone line on the other side of this commercial break. Our guy, Freddie Coleman from ESPN Radio, will join us. Does he have a problem with what we saw in Major League Baseball last night? Our guy, Freddie Coleman, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, that's next right here for our usual Wednesday conversation on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. One of the nicest guys in sports talk radio and one of the smartest. We thought the Patriots, that they're very good at keeping information from getting out. They're better than the FBI and the CIA. It's time for our weekly conversation with ESPN's Freddie Coleman on The Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back into The Brady Farkas Show right here on a Wednesday on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Good stuff there on Major League Baseball. The uh, Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line is just completely going off and continues to to the commercial break. 802-585-3026 if you want to get in. Celtics hiring Ime Odoka, Brooklyn Nets assistant, spent some time with the San Antonio Spurs and the Philadelphia 76ers. That is the report out that we got right before the show. Ime Odoka will be Brad Stevens' successor in Boston. We had a chance earlier today to speak with Freddie Coleman of ESPN Radio. We always speak with Freddie on Wednesday. We spoke with him early today because we had to for our schedule's sake. So uh, we did not get a chance to ask Freddie about Ime Odoka. So that is why you will not hear a question about that uh, in this interview. But you will hear, hear plenty of other Celtics-related questions as well. So Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio host, 9 p.m. And tonight, because we got Red Sox baseball, his show with Freddie and Fitz- Simmons will be streaming exclusively at WDEVradio.com. We started out the interview with Freddie. Good to talk with you on a Wednesday. How are you? I'm good, the almighty and powerful Brady Farkas. <laughs> How are you, brother? <laughs> I am good. Appreciate you being with us, as always. You know, we just spent a good amount of time on this. What did you think of the MLB umpire checks for foreign substances last night? Some pitchers certainly were making a mockery of it. What was your feeling on the whole thing? I don't know why, Brady, anybody's surprised by what we've been able to see since Monday because plenty of people are not on board with this whole knee-jerk reaction by Major League Baseball based on they didn't want another potential situation that happened that went unchecked when it came to the Houston Astros and what they were involved in when they won a championship were competing for championships in Major League Baseball during that time. So this was a complete overreaction, and I get it. You want to make sure that things are going to be as much on board as possible. 
But the minute they said they were going to do this and that managers could be allowed to ask or pitch to be checked, I knew it was going to be a complete farce and complete comedy. And we saw the comedic level go to about a 100 with the whole Max Scherzer of the Washington Nationals, Joe Girardi, the Philadelphia Phillies manager situation, because Girardi was trying to get under the skin of Max Scherzer by having him tested three times. But if I'm Max Scherzer, and he's a better man than I am. After the second one, I might have buzzed the town to the dugout near Joe Girardi and that bench for doing that for the third time because even Max Scherzer was saying, I get it, but come on. When does it get to a point when it becomes a farce? And we're already at that when it comes to even day two of this going on in Major League Baseball. So, Freddie, are you against this entirely? Because, look, I, I know you love baseball like I do, and I'll be honest with you, I I didn't enjoy the product in April and May when every game was one nothing and every game is no-hitter watch. I want the action back in the game. So, yeah, it seems harsh and extreme, but I'm actually not only just okay with this, I'm for this. Well, I don't think action was lacking in Major League Baseball because for every of those one nothing 2-1 games you're talking about, we've got a lot of softball scores that have gone in Major League Baseball. And here's the idea that I believe with this. If you're so concerned about spin rates and this and that, how about becoming better hitters? If the shift is on, hit the ball the other way. If you have two strikes, choke up and try to put the ball in play. we got too many guys either 0 or 100 because they clearly have been told by Major League Baseball and their agents, Brady, that the better numbers you have in terms of home run RBI numbers, the more money you're going to get. Well, I long for the days of somebody hitting 310 with 20 home runs, 90 RBIs, and stealing 40 bases, those kind of 5-2 potential players. And we have those guys out there. you got Fernando Tatis, who hopes he'll get back sooner than later from the San Diego Padres deal with another injury. We have those kind of guys out there. So for all the people talking about that, well, you know, we need to increase the offense, How about becoming better hitters of the past, what we saw in the 60s and the 70s and 80s before the explosion of big fly baseball took over and that became paramount to any kind of lack uh, lack of success or total success when it comes to those numbers being a part of Major League Baseball. Freddie, I understand it was a great game last night, but how can we ever argue again about pace of play in baseball when the last two minutes of Suns Clippers took 32 minutes to play? Well, that's an outlier because Major League Baseball pace of play has been going on for a long, long time. That's why Rob Manfred, the commissioner, has got highly involved and put his fingers into it. I mean, I'm not going to use the last part, the last minute and six seconds that took 26 minutes to play between Phoenix and the Clippers in Game 2 and try to say, that okay, that's why you can't complain about pace of play in Major League Baseball. I mean, look, if you want to use that as your argument, Brady, then what happened last night was a complete antithesis of what you want in Major League Baseball because how was that good of a pace of play? what Joe Girardi was doing the Philadelphia Phillies or even Monday night when Jacob DeGrom was being tested by the Atlanta Braves. I'm thinking, really? The last thing that guy needs as a cheat code is to have spider attack to give him better grip because if that's the case, then you can never hit that guy ever again. So I'm not going to use one sports argument to refute another sports argument because that was an outlier. And the problem with that is, and you make a great point, that was what was talked about as well as what happened at the end of the game where Monty Williams, the Phoenix Suns head coach, Boy, can he dial up plays, and he dialed up a perfect play to get that going and get that to the basket and get that basket to make sure that the Clippers were not going to steal game two. But because of what happened and all that was going on the final minute and six, that became as much as a narrative of game two instead of the great plays that happened in that fourth quarter between the Clippers and the Suns. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, tonight, 9 p.m., streaming at WDEVradio.com. Hey, we haven't spoken to you since uh, last week when the Celtics traded Kemba Walker to the Thunder for Al Horford and Moses Brown. What do you think this trade means for the Celtics? 
it means that Al Horford is going to be the kind of leader that you're going to need with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, especially when those two guys, if they don't know him, they know about him. And the Celtics were really, really shrewd getting from underneath that contract because you know Oklahoma City said they're going to work on trading Kimball Walker and moving him on to somewhere else. Now there is no de- now there is no really division of labor anymore because you know exactly who's going to be the leader of this team and who has to be the leader of this team. This is a message of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And I get the sense, Brady, that they want that challenge, that they want that responsibility. And who better to show them to be better leaders? And not say Kimball Walker didn't do that, but Kimball Walker still believes he's a productive player and can be a productive guard. So I wonder how much of that got in the way of what everybody was trying to do to the Boston Celtics. But you bring in Al Horford, a class guy, a guy who understands exactly how to get guys on the same page. And, of course, being back to Boston Celtics, that's going to be familiar to him where he has a chance to go back to a place where he was really able to make his name and make his game. So that's what I took out of this trade from the Boston Celtics. It's not a referendum on Kimball Walker. It's just that that message that maybe he was trying to put out there or not put out there, they had taken as far as they could. Now you bring in somebody that's a respected leader inside that organization. To me, that's only going to be good for the Boston Celtics. Now, they believe that Peyton Pritchard is going to be their point guard, and I understand why they're going to do that. Now you reduce that kind of ball-handling pressure on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Now the big question is, who's going to be the next coach of the Boston Celtics? Because whoever that's going to be is going to be a very interesting hire, especially with some of the candidates that are out there. That I think would be great candidates for Boston, but you better make the right choice when you got guys like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum about to enter into the prime of their careers. Do you think that Al Horford can have a Chris Paul-like impact, what Chris Paul did for the Suns? Can that be Horford with the Celtics? Boy, that's asking a lot of Al Horford because Chris Paul is one of the great leaders that we've seen in the NBA. He's finally getting appreciated for that, what he's been able to do with the Phoenix Suns because Phoenix didn't have him the first two games of this series. But everything that he was able to teach them, they were able to manifest itself by not panicking, by being in those situations and trusting what you're going to do and trusting your coaching staff and trusting each other. If that's the one thing only that Al Horford brings to the table, then the Boston Salt is going to be better served from that point on. I would never want to put somebody else's shoes and somebody else's footprints because of the different situation in Phoenix compared to the Boston Celtics. Phoenix right now, a more stable organization on and off the basketball court where the Boston Celtics are trying to figure out what they're going to do in the future. Whatever turmoil happened with Brad Stevens and that team and Kimball Walker this year, they're doing everything they can to get past that. Phoenix didn't have any turmoil. They were just a young basketball team that needed that veteran leadership. They need to be shown the way from a different standpoint. From the Boston Celtics' point of view, you want Al Horford to do what he did the last time he was there. And you know that you're going to have guys that are going to be receptive to that when it comes to Jason Taylor and Jalen Brown. So it's not exactly the same. It's not exactly akin to what Chris Paul is doing in Phoenix. But any kind of leadership for your young guys to be future leaders for your organization, that should be a benefit for the Boston Celtics, not a detriment. Freddie, he's a restricted free agent. It's going to cost a lot to get him here. But uh, Celtics just saved money on getting rid of Kemba Walker's contract. I'm willing to let Evan Fournier go. What do you think about bringing in Lonzo Ball? I think that'd be a, a good choice because if you're the New Orleans Pelicans, you don't want that guy to leave. He does not want to leave. But if you have that kind of ability where a guy can get guys to basketball the way he is an extremely good passer, and he really improved his shooting stroke a little bit. And plus, there's a family dynamic. His younger brother was rookie of the year. You do not want your younger brother believing he's a better ball player mm-hmm. than you. So wherever you go, if you decide to stay in New Orleans, you want to show people that he learned all these things from me, and I was the one that set the table for everybody else. So that could be another dynamic that can help the Boston Celtics if they go after a guy like that. And especially, Brady, in a point guard-rich draft, and you don't have a first-round pick, 
that's where it's really paramount for the Boston Celtics to find that point guard and go after that guy that is young enough and more than enough of a point guard that you know you can give him the ball to your basketball team, and he can do that. Now, if you don't do that, that means you trust that Peyton Pritchard, who, by the way, was drafted by this team, that he can do that. Maybe not to the level of Lonzo Ball, but Pritchard's a quick player. He's a better shooter and a better defender than Lonzo Ball. So you're not exactly having a scrub taking over if Lonzo Ball is not going to be gotten in restricted free agency. At least you have that kind of option, not having a first-round pick in the draft to go after the point guard that you really need and you really want when it comes to the Boston Celtics. Freddie, we got a lot of good young players in the NBA. Luka, Zion, there's a ton. If you're thinking about the next young star that players want to join up with and play with, how does Jason Tatum stack up? He's stacked up pretty well because Jason Tatum, I, I think a lot of people learned a lot about him in that first-round series against the Brooklyn Nets because he's essentially carried that basketball team to at least one victory in that series where he put up a 50-burger against the Brooklyn Nets. So there are plenty of guys that would want to play with Jason Tatum. There are plenty of guards that would love to be a part of that dynamic, him and Jalen Brown, because you're getting two terrific young players who are going to ball out for each other and they're going to be very selfless and very unselfish. So it may not be along the lines with Trey Young because Trey Young, for the first time probably ever in the history of the Atlanta Hawks, has made that a destination of people not trying to have a money grab to join that organization or you're reaching too far for somebody else. His ability to get people to basketball and his toughness is going to make the Atlanta Hawks a very attractive destination and a guy in John Collins where you may not want to think about To be respectful and to not give your opponent bulletin board material. Coach speak is cliches. Coach speak is heaping praise, is heaping overwhelming praise. This is something every coach does, so why is Brad Stevens now taking the heat for this? Bill Belichick, the greatest coach in football history, among, I would say, the top three in the inner circle of the greatest coaches in American sports history, engages in coach speak every single week. Every week, he feeds us garbage about some 2-9 and nine team, and he goes through the entire offense and the entire defense and tells us how great every single player is. He can't truly think every player in the NFL is headed to the Hall of Fame, but he gives you a scouting report on an opponent that makes you believe that. That is coach speak. Why is Bill Belichick not getting ripped for that then? Okay, listen. I went through the archives here, and I found Bill Belichick talking up opponents every single week. Listen, this was going into a matchup this season with the Jets about Sam Darnold. This was Bill Belichick talking about Sam Darnold this year. I don't think there's uh, any shortage of talent there and playmaking ability. We saw him run. We saw him you know, run for 50-yard touchdown or whatever it was against the Broncos. You know, it's good, good prospect. And he's being well coached. I mean, I know he's getting good coaching and, and has a good system that works through the quarterback. You know, Adam's always had an offensive system that, you know, really gave the quarterbacks all the opportunities to, you know, have tools that they need to be successful. So in that, the Jets, who were destined for last place, the Jets, who were, I believe at the time of this meeting, winless, okay? This was, the fir- I believe, the first meeting of the season. So the Jets were winless. Bill Belichick calls Sam Darnold a good prospect, He then heaps praise on Adam Gase, saying he's a great coach who always gives his teams a chance to be successful. By the way, Sam Darnold got traded because the Jets didn't want him, and Adam Gase got fired. So Bill Belichick is telling you that that both of those guys, who the Jets ultimately decided they didn't want, Bill Belichick's telling you how great they are. 
That is what we call coach speak. Coaches do it every week. They talk up their opponent. Brad Stevens is no different than Bill Belichick, who's no different than anybody else, and it's ridiculous that Brad Stevens is in trouble for this. I went through and found Bill Belichick last September, heading into week two of the NFL season, talking about Russell Wilson. Honestly, I think he's, you know, in a way maybe underrated by by the media or the fans. I don't know. But, I mean, I don't, I don't really see anybody better than this player. Um, he can do everything. He's got, obviously, great leadership, um, playmaking skills. Uh, he plays very well in the most critical situations in the game. Was- so, Russell Wilson is clutch. Russell Wilson is a great leader. Nobody is better than this player. Kendrick Perkins, would you be crushing Bill Belichick? Because you're crushing Brad Stevens for something every coach does. Okay? I mean, seriously. I get that basketball is a little more talkative. Basketball players are a little more talkative than football. But I think we're kind of – it's the same thing. Belichick and Stevens are doing the same thing. You pump up your opponent. It happens everywhere. You know what? I'd expect Steve Nash, head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, to do the same thing about the seventh-seeded Celtics. Oh, wait. He did. It's possible, you know. It's you know he is a, a priority. His his offensive rebounding is elite. So is Williams. So it, it is a key for us to to limit their offensive rebounds. Tristan Thompson, elite offensive rebounder. Robert Williams, elite. What what about the Celtics this year? Other than Jason Tatum was elite, but Steve Nash is telling you that hey, they got guys that do elite things. That is coach speak. Kendrick Perkins needs to. I mean, seriously, he's just looking for something to say at that point that's adversarial. He's just looking for something to say that's confrontational. Brad Stevens being nice and respectful of the opponent and speaking you know, good about his opponent, that's a tradition as old as time in the coaching world. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Mark, who's in uh, Corinth, actually says, Brady, I agree with Perk. I, I want the Celtics to try to beat Brooklyn, and it looks like Stevens is actually you know, a fan of Brooklyn rather than a coach trying to beat them. What would you like him to say? Hey, look, Kyrie's a little screwy, and Harden's got a bad rep, and Durant has been injured a couple of times, so I think we could take it to him. You want him to go say that? And it'll get beaten game one, 147 to 106, and we'll be having a different conversation on Monday. You want to speak softly and carry a big stick. If you want any chance at all, any chance at all of beating the Brooklyn Nets, you need to pump them up outwardly, and then internally that's where you can go and rip them. If you want to go and rip the Nets, you're going to rip them behind closed doors to your team in locker room meetings, film sessions, etc. You're not doing that publicly. Because if you do it publicly and you wake up Kyrie, Durant, and Harden, you're going to get beat by 40, and they're never going to look back. Uh, Speaking of James Harden, I want to say this. Heading into this series, heading into this playoffs, I believe that James Harden is under the most pressure of any player in the playoffs. James Harden, to me, is under the most pressure of any player in these playoffs. More pressure than LeBron James. More pressure than Kevin Durant. More pressure than Giannis Antetokounmpo. Now, Freddie Coleman of ESPN Radio, who we had on on Wednesday, he told me he thinks LeBron's under the most pressure. It's still LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers, especially the Lakers being in a playing game tonight against Golden State. And Brady, can you imagine what the narrative is going to sound like if they don't beat Golden State tonight, then they got to play for their playoff lives. 
when it comes to Friday against the loser for, against the winner for the Spurs Grizzlies matchup. Now they obviously won that game, so they weren't in the position that Freddie's talking about. But Freddie says LeBron and his legacy is always the thing that's the most scrutinized and under the most pressure. I understand LeBron is under pressure in everything he does, both on the floor and off. But to me, this playoffs, James Harden of the Brooklyn Nets is under the most pressure of any player. Okay? And it's for a few different reasons. The acquisition of James Harden has completely thwarted the 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 New York I think New York Jets, Brooklyn Nets. The acquisition of Harden has completely thwarted the Nets' future. Okay? Long after he, Durant and Kyrie are gone, the team will essentially have no draft picks. It's for years the, the Nets have like no valuable draft picks and it's all because of Harden. Okay? 